Amen. Good morning, City Light. What's up, team? Oh, you guys sound wonderful. Like Eric said, my name's Doug, and I get to be one of the pastors for our church. I get to follow Jesus with you guys. I get to worship with you guys. Wow, this morning, Jordan, Brandy, Taylor, Jack, Yarden, that was incredible. Thank you guys for leading us and stirring our hearts to connect with God. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would like to start with a question this morning, all right? Have you ever experienced glory in your life? Now, I know that might sound strange at first. Glory is kind of a hard word to define. But if you've ever experienced glory, if you've ever tasted glory, then you know it, right? Like, glory is what happened when Case Keenum threw the ball to Stefan Diggs, who expected to be tackled right there, but instead the safety totally whiffed, and Diggs turns around, and there's nothing but green space between him and the end zone. When Diggs got to the end zone, what did he do? Did you see this? He threw his helmet, puffed his chest, and he looked into the crowd like he owned the planet. That is glory. And when Diggs got to the end zone, what did all of the Vikings fans do in front of their TVs? They jumped up and down with joy. They spilled their beers, stomped on their chips. Their hearts were bursting with excitement. That is glory. Glory also happened on December 17, 2004. I was not allowed to see Whitney for most of that day. You see, a few months prior to that, we had been engaged. We sent the invitations out. We booked the pastor. We scheduled the church. And that day, that evening, was our wedding. So I hadn't seen her all day. During the day, I would hang out with the ushers and the groomsmen. That was fun, but it wasn't glory. I would give hugs and kisses to mom and dad and grandma, and that was sweet, but it wasn't glory. The church building was decorated with twinkle lights and red roses and white daisies for people to see, and that was pretty, but it wasn't glory. Finally, the wedding began, and the bridesmaids come in, and I'm standing on the stage looking back, and then that moment happens when they close the door, and then they reopen the door, and in walks Whitney. She is wearing white. Her hair is in absolute perfection. Her face is beaming. Her smile is intoxicating. Her dress is dazzling, and up to the front she comes where I can see her. That is glory. And then the pastor said a bunch of words, none of which I remember. I was looking her in the eye. We were holding hands. We exchanged vows. We exchanged rings, listened to some songs, yada, yada, yada. But then the pastor said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Doug, you may now kiss your bride. And I kissed her. That was double glory. (laughs) That was glory, glory, hallelujah. Have you ever felt glory? Have you ever seen glory, tasted glory? 
Glory is what happens when the deepest parts of our heart get caught up in something bigger and better and more beautiful and more powerful than us. Glory is what happens when you forget about yourself for a little while and instead make a big deal out of someone or something else, whether that is the Vikings or your spouse or a sunrise or a sunset. Glory is when the spotlight shines on center stage and we all get out our phones to capture the moment because we know our lives are about to change. That is glory. And this morning, we get to look at the glory of Jesus. We're going to see this aspect, this part of Jesus that makes our hearts burst and boom with intoxication in him. We're going to see an aspect of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done that draws out the the deepest longings of our heart and the highest hopes of our lives and makes us say, Jesus, we'll lay it all down for you because you are better. We're going to see the glory of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 13. We're going to look starting in verse 31. Now, right before this, Jesus had an intimate supper with his disciples. He served them. He washed their feet. And then it was very clear, Judas, this one guy, leaves to go betray him. And as he leaves, Jesus says this, beginning in verse 31. When he, that's Judas, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Now, that's a lot of glory, right? Like the Son of Man is glorified. The God is glorified. Glory to Jesus. Glory from Jesus. Glory for Jesus. Glory in Jesus, right? Glory, glory, glory everywhere, right? Now, what's happening? What is he saying here? I think the first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth helps us so much. He says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Not then, not down the road. He's not looking back. He's not looking forward. He's saying, hey, right now, the Son of Man is glorified. You see, up until this point in John's gospel, the disciples around Jesus and the crowds that would follow him kept saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, get your glory. Like, now's the time. Take your glory. Shine bright on center stage. Kick all the bad guys out of town and be the superhero that we've always wanted you to be. Now's the time, Jesus. But Jesus would always respond to them and he'd say, not yet. My hour has not yet come. Now is not yet the time. So these 11 disciples who just got their feet washed, sitting around Jesus, they're still waiting and wondering, will Jesus ever take his glory? Will Jesus ever get his glory? And then they hear these words come out of his mouth. Now is the son of man glorified. Jesus is saying that now is his time to to take center stage. All the teachings and the miracles, those were just kind of the warm-up. Now the spotlight can shine on 
him, right? All the amazing things he did, the crowds that would follow him, that was just kind of the sideshow. He's ready now to step into the center ring and let the attention, the spotlight come on him. Now is his time. So feeding the 5,000, raising Lazarus from the dead, water into wine, arguing with the religious leaders, that was cool, but that was more like the engagement, not the wedding, That was more like the fourth quarter, not the game-winning TD toss that won it all for them. Jesus saying, hey, that was great, but now, right now, I am truly, fully, completely being glorified. So let me just pause here and state the obvious. Jesus wants to be glorified. Jesus wants glory. God wants glory. God wants to be a big deal in our lives. He wants to be the big E on the I chart of our lives. He wants to be the leader that we follow, the counselor that we trust, the voice we hear, the view we see, the food we eat. God wants to be front and center in each and every one of our lives. God is not interested in being a backseat driver. God is not interested in being the uh, shotgun helper, co-pilot person. God's not interested in being a navigator like Siri who tells you where to go, but when you change your mind and go somewhere else, she's like, turn right. You're like, no, I want to turn left. She just robotically and nicely says, recalculating, right? God's not into that. God wants to be the center of attention. God wants honor. He wants praise. He wants adoration. God wants glory. Let me give you some Bible verses just to show you this. Isaiah 43, verses 6 and 7 say, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So God created us. He formed us and he made us, his sons and daughters. He created us for his glory. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the heavens declare thee glory of God in the skies above proclaim his handiwork so we know that we're created for his glory the skies the expanse of the universe the heavens are created for his glory psalm 79 verse 9 you get this beautiful prayer they say help us O God of our salvation for the glory of your name deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake so our salvation That incredible process where Jesus rescues us from our sin and Satan and death and hell and ourselves, where he forgives our sin. Our salvation is for his glory. Then Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, God's talking. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no others. So God, who created us for his glory, and he created the expanse of the universe for his glory, God who saved us and forgave our sins for his glory. He says, I'm not sharing that glory with anybody. It is my glory. I want my glory. So therefore you get 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 where it says, no matter what you do, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
So whether you're drinking pop or eating a burrito at Qdoba, he's saying do it to the glory of God. Ephesians 3.21 says that God wants glory in his church. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 says that when Jesus comes back, he sets his feet on this earth. It will be to get glory among all his saints. Titus 2 verse 13 calls that moment our blessed hope, the appearing of, uh, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll finish it up with Revelation 5 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So every voice, every creature on the earth, above the earth, under the earth, whatever that means, Lord of the Rings, I don't know, right? In the sea, everything, all of us, me and Whitney, you and the person you're sitting next to, Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Vikings fans, Packers fans, Eagles fans, all of us, we will give glory to God. He wants glory. He wants us to see his glory. God wants to be glorified in us. Jesus wants our glory. It's like he's saying, look at me. I created you so that your heart would burst with delight in me. I created this world so that you could look at it and see me. And then I saved you and forgave your sins so that you could be overwhelmed with a passion for me. Your eating and your drinking, your job, your church, your friends, your family, it's all about me. And one day I'm coming back to step foot on this earth so that you can see me in all of my glory. And you can spend your life, your eternal life, your time, your energy making much of and enjoying my perfections, my pleasures, my passions. I'm coming back so that you can glorify me. Jesus wants glory. Jesus wants your glory. Now all of that, breathe, all of that is what Jesus is talking about in verses 31 and 32 when he says, now is the Son of Man glorified. So the curtain is about to be pulled back and we get to see the glory of Jesus, right? So the question then becomes, what's it going to (laughs) be? Like, what's the show going to look like? When do the fireworks start, Jesus? Like, if you were one of his disciples in that room with him, you got to be excited. You got to be fired up. We're like, yeah, the glory's coming. But then Jesus says something in verse 33 that just feels awkward. Look at verse 33 with me. He says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. What? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You just said glory, but now you're leaving. Like, you are going to be glorified, but you're not here. I'm not tracking, Jesus. What's going on? Well, thankfully... Jesus keeps talking and he explains himself in verse 34. He says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. So while Jesus is thinking about his glory, he tells his disciples to love. To love one another. He's saying, 
I'm being glorified. You guys love one another. And he calls this commandment a new commandment. But I don't know like about you, but whenever I read my Bible, like love and the commandment to love is there from the beginning, right? It's there way back in the Old Testament law. It's there all the way through to the end. So why did Jesus just call this love commandment something new? Jesus says that he's giving his disciples a new commandment to love one another, not because the loving is new, but because the extent of that love is new. How far that love will go is new. So look at the back half of verse 34. Track with me here. The back half of 34 says this, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So just like Jesus loved them, they're supposed to love one another. Well, how did Jesus love them? John's already answered that for us back in verse 1 of chapter 13. Okay, go back to verse 1 where it says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them how? To the end. He loved them all the way to the end. That is what is new about this love commandment, loving all the way to the end. That's what's so glorious about this love. It goes all the way to the end. You see, people already knew about the love of God, but now they're about to see the full extent, the full expression, the all the way to the end of this love of God. Not only would Jesus love by teaching, not only would Jesus love by performing miracles, not only would Jesus love by bringing peace and riding on a donkey, not only would Jesus love by washing their feet and serving them, but Jesus would love all the way to the end by dying for them. So let me connect some dots here, okay? So if you take Jesus' words about glory in verses 31 and 32, and you take Jesus' words about love in verse 34, and you bring those together, here's what you get. The glory of God is seen in the love of Jesus. The glory of God is seen most clearly, beheld most brightly, and revealed most fully when Jesus Christ loved us to the end by dying on the cross in our place. If you want to see this glory of God, then look at the death of Jesus Christ. I don't want to sound sacrilegious, but this is maybe how I'd say it. God's Stefan Diggs moment, like his Minnesota miracle, was when Jesus died on the cross to show his full love to us. God's wedding day, you may now kiss your bride moment, is when Jesus died on the cross to show the full extent of God's love for us. Oh, what glory! Oh, what love. Can I invite you this morning to see the glory of God in the love of Jesus Christ? And some of you, for the very first time, if you are hurting this morning, look to the suffering of Jesus. They're hanging on the cross through the pain, loving you in your pain, through your pain, all the way to the very end. 
If you have doubts this morning, then look to the blood of Jesus pouring from his side, washing over your worries, loving you through your worries all the way to the end. If you are stuck in sin this morning, you just can't throw it off, then look to the sacrifice of Jesus where he died for you in your place, forgiving your sins and saying, it is finished. No more payment, no more penance required from you. It's all done. Jesus has loved us. Jesus has loved you to the end. And if you're seeing the glory of God and the love of Jesus right now for the first time, like if it's landing on you that Jesus didn't just love you by writing a book, Jesus didn't just love you by telling some stories. Jesus didn't just love you by giving you some rules and guidelines for, for life and then helping you live by them. Jesus didn't just love you by being a voice on your shoulder that gives you good advice when you need it. But if it's landing on you, if you're realizing that Jesus loves you despite your sin all the way to the very bitter end by dying on the cross for you, then can I invite you, would you just say yes to him? Right now in your soul, would you just say, yes, Jesus, you can love me. Your love is not just for the generic world. Your love is for me. You've loved me all the way to the end. Don't let this moment pass you by. This moment right here was crafted by God. It was designed by Jesus so that you could see the glory of God and how Jesus loves you all the way to the end. His glory is to love you. So the glory of God is seen in the love of Jesus. Now, let's just connect this. Let's let the rubber meet the road. Connect some dots here. What does that have to do with us, right? God wants glory. We see that glory in the love of Jesus to the end. How does all of that intersect with our lives? Well, thankfully, I think Jesus answers that question for us. In verse 35, go there and look at it with me. Jesus says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So get this, City Light. When we love one another like Jesus loved us, all the way to the end, people notice. People see it. They remember it. When we love one another for the long haul, whenever we stick it out with one another, enter into it with one another, and love one another to the end, people can't help but notice that. Now, we kind of have a disadvantage, though. We got to be honest because we're barely a year old as a church, right? So it's kind of hard for us to say, we've loved each other to the end all one year. You know, like, it's a little difficult. We're kind of still in diapers as a church. We're kind of toddlers. We may be a big toddler, but we're still a toddler as a church. The real test of our love won't come for 25, 50, 75 years down the road. But in the meantime, we've got to start somewhere, right? We get to start somewhere. And I think, honestly, we're off to a great start. A couple examples that I love in the North City group that meets on Tuesday nights. There's a new lady to their group and she recently just went through a divorce. And so now she's a single mom with kids. And recently when she was at group, she just mentioned to someone that she needed to hang a picture in her house. And she just doesn't know how to do that, right? That her husband had always done that. She didn't know what tools she needed, what she needed to do. It was just like, I don't know how to do that. So what did the city group do? 
Did they like step back and say, oh, wait, don't touch that. The divorce thing, we better not go near that. No. Did they step out and say, oh, she'll watch a YouTube video. She can figure it out. No. This city group stepped in. Some of them rallied together, went to Menards, bought a bunch of tools, put them in a bag, gave her all the tools that she and her kids might need for jobs like this and other jobs, along with a Menards gift card just to say, we love you. In this season, we love you. We'll walk through this season with you, right? That is the kind of love that even from the beginning is built to last. They loved her in it and they loved her through it. Another example, the Lewis and Clark City Group that meets on Wednesday nights. There's a family in our church who's been fighting cancer for multiple years. It's been a long, difficult fight. And so this family battling cancer can't quite make it to City Group, right? They're too tired or too sick or too much time in the hospital. It just makes City Group impossible. So the Lewis and Clark Group, I love this. They got together and made some frozen meals a couple different times, packaged them up, and they would just take the meals to this family. That is love that from the beginning is built to last. They didn't wait for this family to get better. They didn't wait for this family to survive. They didn't even wait for this family to ever show up to Citigroup. Instead, they said, we're going to love first. We're going to move towards them in love. They loved them in it and through it. So City Light, if we are going to be known, we will not be known by our website or our buildings or our social media or our sign out front. If we're going to be known, if our friends are going to hear what God is doing in our church, it won't be because of songs or sermons. It won't be because you got in a debate with them and told them where they're wrong or you pointed out all the bad decisions that they have made in their life. If we are to be known, we will be known by our love. That's what Jesus said, right? Now, if I have to be honest, though, sometimes I don't really like that, okay? I mean, maybe you want to be honest, too. You don't have to, whatever. But if I really was honest, I would say, I wish that John 13, 35 said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you can get things done really fast. I wish it said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you can gather a crowd and talk about the Bible. But that's not what it says. I mean, for me, love just doesn't come naturally. Productivity does. Getting things done comes naturally. And then for me, on top of that, for the last month, five, six weeks, it feels like a long time, someone in our family has been sick, right? At least one person, sometimes multiple people at the same time get sick. And when my wife or my kiddos get sick, sometimes I can get mad, frustrated, demeaning, because sick people just aren't very productive. And so instead of entering into their pain with them, acknowledging their sickness and being there with them in it, snuggling, cuddling, helping, serving. Instead of doing that, I blame them for the dishes not being done or the trash not taken out. Now, how ugly is that? Like, how selfish is that? In those moments, I am unloving. 
I'm not loving them to the end, much less loving them through this season of sickness. No, I'm valuing productivity over people. I'm valuing stuff over love. And I get that right now it's my turn in the confessional booth. You're all welcome that it's not your turn, but it's my turn right now. But my guess is, if we had to be honest, many of us would also say, yeah, I've had my unloving moments too. There's been times when I have been selfish and I've thought about myself for weeks on end and I served myself instead of finding ways to serve others. My guess is that some of us might confess that we've hurt people around us, that we've walked out when someone really needed us to be there, that we stepped out when we should have stepped in, that we valued productivity over people or we valued stuff over love. Some of us might say that we've loved ourselves more than we loved our loved ones. So how are you doing on the whole love to the end sort of thing? How you doing? Chances are, if you're like me, you'd say, wow, not so good. Now that you put it in that light and I see it from that perspective, I must be really selfish. So let me just close with some good news that I think can help us all, okay? When we are unloving, Jesus is always loving. When we step out, Jesus still steps in. When we give up, Jesus gives us more of himself. When we are most unloving, Jesus remains his most loving to us in that moment of our unloveliness, our unloving. He still remains loving to us. Oh, get this, guys. Jesus didn't go to the cross once we got our love act together. Jesus didn't go to the cross once we started loving him. Jesus loved us all the way to the end before we ever loved him to begin. That kind of love is the glory of God. And it can transform our love to where we love one another to the end. And the world takes notice. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, you want glory. There is no doubt about that. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is all about your glory. You want to be praised, magnified. You want to be a big deal in our lives and on this world. So, Father, would you stir in our hearts a longing, a desire for your glory? Maybe there's some of us who would just say, man, God, I've been trying to keep you in my back pocket but I want you to have center stage. God, I've wanted you to be my Siri navigator, but no, I want to submit to you now and I want to obey what you're calling me to do. God, I've kind of reserved my love and my affections for other things, but now I want to pour out all my love and all my affections on you. Oh God, get glory in my life. Be center in my life. Father God, I also know that you reveal your love to us in your son, Jesus Christ, especially when he died for us in our place. So Father, right now, would you be opening the eyes of people's hearts to see Jesus loving them, see Jesus dying for them, maybe for the first time. Would you save some of our friends this morning? Would you give them a faith in Jesus' love to the end? 
that they'd say, yes, I'll lay all my life down to have Jesus because of his love, the way he loved me, even now before I ever loved him. Oh, Father, would you let us see your glory in the love of Jesus Christ. And then I pray that you'd help some of us just to take a step. Man, as we hear about your glory and hear about your love, some of us just need to get around love. We need to get around people. We need to fill out a connection card and say, I want to be in a city group. We need to stick around for 10 or 15 minutes after and just meet some folks so that we can be exposed to love, so that we can give and receive love. Would you work that in us, Father? For your glory, we pray. Amen.